Good morning, Clintwoods. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. We're so happy that you are here. And uh, I'm excited to share with you what God's laid on my heart this morning. We've been on a series called Summer Road Trip, and it's been this idea that sometimes God takes you to places that you're not ready for, or you don't know, or you don't even know how you ended up here on those trips, and, and, and what do you do with that? And so we're going to continue that journey today uh, together, and so um, we're at a, a kind of a different way we're going to look at it, but um, have you ever been excited about a trip but not excited about a trip? You know, like you're excited to get there somewhere or do something, but you're not really excited about how to get there, what to do. Like, anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, so, so for us, a direct flight from Detroit to Beijing is 14 hours. And, and when we went to go get Wilson, when we were adopting him, that was the trip that we were excited to go on. But man, that trip we were not excited to go on. 14 hours in a plane riding coach in the back of that was not great but then we get over there and um, as we're over there we spend two weeks we get all the paperwork and we get ready and uh, we get our son and then they say okay now it's time to go home and we were ready to come home but then we realize there's a 14 hour flight with a two-year-old who doesn't speak English right who, who just is all, uh, he is a whirlwind of energy, and we are sitting here going, oh man, we, we are excited, but we are not excited about that trip to, to kind of actually get home. Now you add to it, as we start processes, for whatever reason, our travel agency and um, the adoption agency, when they were booking our flights, they could not get three seats next to each other on the way home. So, so um, Wilson at the time was struggling to attach to Steph, so he was completely attaching to me, would go anywhere with me, but he didn't want to go with Steph anywhere. So it ended up me in a middle seat, my son next to the window, and my wife is one row behind me in a middle seat, and trying to navigate 14 hours on this plane. Add to it, the guy next to me, he had the power of sleep on his side, slept for the entire 14 hours no joke I woke him up twice just so I could get out to go to the bathroom and, and even when we tried to talk to people to like say hey here's our situation they all spoke Mandarin and so we didn't know how to speak the language to see if we could share seats with them so it was just crazy so we're on our way home Wilson's kind of having his fun we're, we're, we're making it work right and so we're sitting there it's the middle of the night on the fly all the lights are off in the cabin I'm trying to get some sleep because Wilson finally fell asleep and all of a sudden, as I'm in the middle of the night, smell something. It's not the guy next to me who's sleeping forever. Oh, it's this kid. And I'm like, okay, first reaction, I got this. Lord, you've called me to be a parent. This is what we do, right? So I turn on the lights, look down, want to see the damage. I look over and something broke because this was no ordinary smell. This is what we parents call a blowout. And it is everywhere. And something, guys, can I tell you, so, something broken. So I, 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 just, I just broke. <laughs> and I didn't know what else to do. And I looked down and I'm like, uh oh. And, and I, as your family pastor, I want to confess because. Pastor Phil probably could have handled this. He would have kept his calm and cool. I did not. Because as I look at this, I start to go in my head, and then I say it out loud, and I look down, and I go, he pooped. 
He pooped. He pooped. And I start yelling this. I, 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 I literally, I, I broke. I didn't know what else to do. Like, I knew what to do, but I didn't know what to do. And so I just go, he pooped. He pooped. I go, honey, he pooped. He pooped. And she, all of a sudden I hear my wife go, shut up. Shut up. And I'm like, no, he pooped. It happened. It's everywhere. He pooped. He pooped. All of a sudden, lights start flicking everywhere in the cabin. I don't even care because this kid pooped and I didn't know what to do about it. So I pick him up with two hands and I'm going, he pooped, he pooped. This guy doesn't even move. He is out. And I'm just, he pooped. And Steph is trying to get out and the whole time she's going, shut up. You are so embarrassing. I'm like, but he pooped. Right? And so I take this kid, and I'm trying to hand him, I hand him over the, this guy who doesn't move. She takes him, and I'm like, oh my goodness, he pooped. Pooped! So I'm starting to hear, cleaning it up, I get everything. Finally, finally, Steph comes back with Wilson. He's just in a diaper. And I go, what'd you do with his clothes? She goes, I threw him away, he pooped. <laughs> I go, I know! Get down, we finally get, figure it out. We had another set of clothes when we get here. But can I tell you, I was not excited about that flight home even though I was excited to be home right we've been there people have done that parents everywhere like oh I know that feeling right man can I tell you we are all on a journey with life is a journey we go on different things and you guys are going through stuff if you're not going through stuff you've gone through stuff and and you might be excited about the destination you might not be excited about the trip you might not be excited about either. Maybe you're on a trip in life that you're forced to go on, right? We've all been there. But we are on a trip in a journey called life. And we have to figure out when God calls us to go to places, how do we navigate that? How do we do that? And when I look at scripture, besides Jesus, there's a guy in the Bible who I feel went on a trip with his son that I don't think he was excited to go the trip or the destination that I want to look at today, and it's the guy named Abraham. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Genesis chapter 22 with me this morning? And Genesis, Abraham was called to go to Mount Moriah, and we're going to talk about a trip to Mount Moriah because I think a lot of us have either gone through or are going to go through a trip like Abraham um, in one way or another. Let me set up the scene as you turn into Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham at the age of 75 to leave everything he knows. He says, hey, Abraham, I want you to go to a new land. I want you to establish this new land to, to establish my people that I'm going to raise up. So, so at age of 75, Abraham says, okay, let's do this. In chapter 13, um, Abraham, and at the time it's called Abram, Abram uh, leaves with Lot and their families and they go and Abram and Lot kind of have this fight and they say, hey, we can't, we can't travel together. And so they go their separate ways and Abram's like, all right, Lot, you pick where you want to go. I'll go the other way because God's called us to do this. Genesis 15, God comes to Abram and says, hey, I want to make you a promise. Not only are you going to establish my people, I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through you and I'm going to give you a son Abram's like dude did you not forget I'm 75 years old how are you going to do that God goes I got this right in Genesis chapter 17 Abram gets antsy he's 86 and still doesn't have a son so he and his wife Sarai go we can take care of this and so they go hey let's make a plan why don't you sleep with my maidservant she'll have a kid that's maybe probably what God means God was not happy by the way in Genesis 18, God finally comes back after all that turmoil. 
Abram's 99 years old. He restores the promise to Abram and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to change your wife's name from Sarai to Sarah. I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham because you're going to be the father of all nations and you're pregnant. You're going to have a baby. So God fulfills that promise. And in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham and Sarah have a baby at the age of 190 years old and they name the child Isaac and God fulfills this promise that to Abraham that he made 25 years before this. And in Genesis chapter 22, we get to a place where God says, hey, I got another trip for you, Abraham. It's with your son. You're probably not gonna like it, and this is what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you this isn't getting good right early the next morning Abraham got up and loaded his donkey he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering he set out for the place God had told him about on the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance he said to his servants stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there we will worship and then we will come back to you Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the, father, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out, from, uh, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is called, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now talk about a daytime drama, right? I mean, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this story over and over again. You probably learned it at the age of like eight or nine if you grew up in Sunday school. Which, by the way, it's not really a children's tale, right? Like, hey, you're going to go kill you, your son, right? I'm sitting here going, what are we teaching our kids? But it's in the Bible, so we do that. If, you, if this is the first time you've ever heard this story, you're new to church, you're like, what type of Bible is this? <laughs> right? But God has a purpose and he has a plan. And I want to look at this because I think it's really important for us what we can see from here. One of the first questions that I start asking when I look at this passage is, how old was Isaac at this time, right? And in my brain growing up here in this story, I always thought he was like 10, 11, 12 years old. But, but we, the actual answer, we don't know. We have no clue. There's no indicators. We know that he was 100. Uh, Abraham was 100 when he was born. We know that, that Sarah dies at her age is about 
127, so it's somewhere between the ages of 0 and 37 years old. Most scholars would actually say that they think Isaac is about 18 to 25, which is way older than I thought, but here's a couple reasons why. Um, the first one is, is there's this three-day journey that they take. That, that, that's not an easy journey at this time. And so for them to be able to, to move along and make this journey, it's a big deal. The second thing is, is Isaac ends up carrying all the firewood up this mountain. All right, and I'm thinking, you know, a bundle of firewood. It says it's to make an altar to sacrifice an animal. At that time, he didn't know it was him, right? Think about the wood that it would take to, to, to have a fire that hot to sacrifice somebody, right? That's not a small bundle of wood. And so for, for a kid who's 10, 11, 12, that wouldn't be possible. He had to be older. He had to be a man-sized boy, right, to be able to do that. The other thing we see is that there's this conversation that happens where Isaac kind of goes, Dad, where's the animal? Like, like he, he begins to reason with him, right? He begins to see things of what's going on. So, so most scholars would put him at least at the age of 18, maybe even 25 years old. Abraham's over 100 by this time right? And, and so these are some of the things that go through my mind of what's happening. Regardless, what we know is God called them to take a trip, a trip to a place that they didn't even know what was going to happen, where they were going to go. And he says, I want you to go here and I want you to trust me. And I believe, I told you at the beginning of this, that we're all on a trip, that, that God is calling us. And for some of us, it may be a physical trip. We're called to actually go somewhere. Maybe it's something physical with us. Maybe we're forced to do this. Maybe it's emotional for us, that we're on an emotional journey right now, emotional roller coaster through life, whether we choose to be a part of that, whether God's forcing us to go, whether he's making a request to see if we'll follow that, or maybe it's some internal struggle that we're going on. I believe we are all on a trip. And there comes a time that God says, hey, I want you to go to a place that you're not very sure of, but I'm going to lead you. And if we're going to do that, we as believers, there's some things that we have to do that I think we can learn from Abraham. And so a successful trip to an unknown destination led by God requires a few things from us, right? A successful trip to an unknown destination led by God requires a few things. The first thing it requires is for us to set down our map. We have to set down our map, our agenda. It says, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. He makes sure, I know you love this kid. I know you have a plan for him. I've got a bigger plan. Set down your map, right? He's telling him, you gotta set down what you think you know and let me lead for what's happening. Um, when I took driver's ed back in the 1990s, um, some of you are like, man, you're old. Some of you are like, wow, you're still a young pup. But when I took it back then, I don't know about you, but we, we did it at our school. And, um, and so they had these driver's ed cars at the school. And so we had our side that we were in and you had the, the person who's teaching you on the other side. And what did they have on their floor? They also had a break, didn't they, right? They had this break that if you were being dumb or you were going to kill you someone or someone else, right, they could hit that break and stop all actions. And so they would do that. They'd have this break that they would hit. Nowadays, they don't do that. They make me take my car with my kid, put him in there, and I have to sit there and hold on tight. That's what I get, right? It's completely different now. And so they're like, hey, if you ruin your car, it's okay. But back then, they had these cars and they had brakes. I'm like, where's my brake? Well, they know I'd be hitting that thing all day long, right? My kids aren't going anywhere. We're just holding that thing down, right? But that's how we did that. 
This is what God has, right? We say, God, we're, we're, we'll let you be in charge as long as we get a break on our side. God, you can do everything you want as long as I get a break in the car. I get, I get to choose when we stop. When I don't like what you're doing, when I think you're going in the wrong place, God, I want the break, right? That's how we treat God sometimes. Now he says, hey, if you want to go where, where I want you to go, you've got to remove the breaks. Well, I don't like that. He goes, I know. That's why I'm in charge. Abraham, he did this pretty well, right? Genesis 12, God says, leave at the age of 75. He goes, okay. I mean, talk about setting down a map. He had everything established. Genesis 13, he has all this stuff going for him. And now his buddy who he left with isn't going well. And God says, hey, let Lot choose where he's going. He goes, but he's going to choose the best land. God goes, I know, but I got this, right? So he goes his own way. He, he's not perfect, right? Abraham tries to take it in his own hands. He, tells, he says, hey, God's taking too long. So what does he do? He says, hey, well, I'm going to go sleep with my maidservant. Maybe that's what God really meant. By the way, that led to a horrible thing. They, they have a son named Ishmael. Starts a whole line of people that's continuously fighting through history in that line. So not a good thing when he picked up his own map. And he comes here and God says, I need you to put down the map another time, Abraham. And he's asking us, to do the same thing saying are you willing when I call you to go somewhere when you when you're in a place you don't know why you're here but you feel God's telling you to do it are you willing to set down your map to follow God I am right this is our answer I am as long as I can see the map right that's a and go no you don't get that it, it comes back to that song that you know the Carrie Underwood song is Jesus take the wheel right it's, it should be written, okay, Jesus sit in the driver's seat, I'll sit in the back, I won't say anything, I'll just shut up, right? I don't know the tune, but that's my, that's my word, right? We're called not, not just to sit in the passenger seat waiting for the brake, pumping that. We're called to sit in the back seat. We're called to not be back seat drivers. We're, we're called to just sit there and let it ride. God, where are you taking us? See, if we're going to go to an unknown destination led by God and it's going to be successful, we got to be willing to set down our map. Number two, because it's going to take a lot of this if we're going to do that, is going to require some trust, right? It's got to require trust. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Because God, I don't know where you're taking me. This doesn't make any sense at all that you're telling me to kill my son. That you gave me. You know I love him. And yet he still cut down the wood and he still went on the journey. He says, okay, but I'm going to trust you. And sometimes God's going to ask you to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. See, Abraham didn't read the rest of Genesis yet. You guys know that, right? We know the rest of the book, so when we read that, we read it really quick. We don't take time to actually process what's happening here. We're like, yeah, but he's going to be okay, so we're good. <laughs> Abraham didn't know that. Remember at this time, Abraham didn't even have the first part of Genesis. He had nothing. He just had this God who he's supposed to follow, and he says, okay, I've got to trust you. And he did it so well. 
He, he got to a place where in verse 5, he actually tells the people, you see this? He says, he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. He says, we will worship. And look what he says. I never saw this before telling this. He says, and then we will come back to you. We will come back to you. He tells them, hey, we're coming back. Not just me, we. That means his son. In verse 8, he goes on, and he says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. So he tells his son that God will provide. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is what we do as parents, right? We tell our kids what they need to hear so we can get what we want. It's, it's a white lie. It's all right. That's my job as a parent. And so he's going to go, I'm not going to tell my kid I'm going to take him up here and kill him. Why would they ever do that? Right? We as parents, that's what we do. I don't think so. I don't think that's what this is. If you look in Hebrews chapter 11, this is what it says about Abraham. It says, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, get this, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. He, he goes, hey God, I believe in you so much, I trust in you so much that I may still have to kill my son. But we're still coming back down that thing. Either you're going to raise him from the dead or you have another plan I don't even know about. But I'm going to trust. Talk about trust. And here's the deal. Abraham could have justified all of this on not doing it. Now, you guys are better Christians than I am, so you're not justifying people, but I am. When I want to do something the way I want to do it, I justify it really well. Once again, you guys are better Christians than I am, so you don't do this. But, but what I do is I start going through all the reasons why God wouldn't want me to do this. <laughs> well, God, you gave me this son, so I'm not going to kill him. God, you, you're, not a, you're not a God who condones murder, so you wouldn't ask me to do this. God, you're not into human sacrifice, so you wouldn't ask me to do that, right? He, he could go through all that stuff and, and, and be completely justifiable. By the way, the outcome would have been the same, right? Abraham still walked down that mountain with his son. Had he justified it and not even tried it, he still would have came down the mountain. So we get away with it. But when we justify that and we don't put our trust in what God has, we miss a few things, right? Abraham would have missed a couple of stuff. He would have missed God delivering this whole thing. He would have missed the deliverance. He would have missed God's provision on how God would provide in a way that he wouldn't see. He would have missed God's ram, right? Can you imagine that looking up and he goes, wow, God, that's awesome. Let's be honest. He just would have missed God. He would have missed the whole point. We are called to trust even when we don't know. So how do we do that? You go, hey, Dan, I get that, but how do I do that? Well, here leads to the third thing here. It requires obedience. You want to trust God? You want to show that you trust Him? Obey, right? Move to action says this in verse 8, says, Abraham answered God himself, right? His son says, hey, what do we do? I don't even see a, a ram. He says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. 
He says, I don't know. God said to go. He says he's going to take care of it. He goes, let's go. And not only did he just obey God, his son, he got to obey God as well. Do you notice that? His obedience led to more obedience from other people. I was reading an article this week and it said this, complete obedience in God may require us to lead others to a place we are unsure of. That God may be calling us to lead other people to a place and we go, well, I don't know where I'm going, so how do I lead them? He goes, you just follow me. And other people will do that. Now, I might add something else to this. It's because might, it might require us to lead people to where we're unsure of, but the, why, how we can do that is because we know who we are sure of, right? I don't know where I'm going, but I know who I'm following. That, that's the key. I don't know where you're telling me to go, but I know who is the one directing that. And so in our obedience, we may not know where. And our trust factors say, we've got this, God. And other people are going, they're looking at you going, what do we do? And you go, I don't know. I just was told to go this way. You go, well, where are we going? You're telling everybody else, I don't know where I'm going. But he told me to do it, so we're going to do it. And here's the thing. I don't know about Isaac's faith in God at this point in time. But man, Isaac's faith in his dad's faith was pretty high. And I can tell you that Isaac following his dad's faith led to Isaac's faith being stronger down the road. And your faith, the faith that you get to show in God, is not always just for you. Other people are watching you. And it could be the springboard. Your obedience to God could be the springboard for someone else in their faith journey. And for Isaac, I believe through his entire life, he remembered this one. I guarantee he remembered this moment. I mean, to the point where Isaac was willing to stand there, because guess what? He could have overpowered his dad. Remember, Isaac's 18 to 25 years old. Let's call him 20 years old. That makes his dad 120. Who do you think is going to win? Now, dads in the room go, we always win. I get it. I don't know if I'm going to win at 120. He could have said no. His dad's trying to bound him up. It was just him and his dad. It actually says earlier that Isaac's still carrying the knife. He could have said no. But his faith in his dad's faith led him to even more obedience. Man, it's so powerful to look at that. And often your obedience in God's going to lead to other people's obedience in God. And you're called to lead in unknown places. See, a successful trip to an unknown destination led by God will also require some sacrifice. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. If we see through the 25 years I walked you through of Abraham's journey, what is the most important thing to him besides God at this point in time? Family. Having a kid. And what does God ask of Abraham? Give me your family. Give me your kid. He says, I want to make sure that there's nothing else that's number one in your life. 
says, what's your idol? Maybe you don't like the word idol, I don't know, but the idea of idol is anything that is number one that is not God is an idol. And if we're going to sacrifice what God was asking, it wasn't, he wasn't saying, hey, Abraham, sacrifice your son. He's saying, Abraham, sacrifice your idol. He's asking Abraham, what's number one in your life? So I ask you, what's number one in your life? What are you willing to sacrifice for the Lord? Maybe it's family that you have to give up. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's, I don't know. But I believe there's always going to become a time where God's going to go, am I number one? And he's going to say, put your money where your mouth is. I believe that's what he asked of Abraham. What's your number one? The last thing, the last thing it requires to be led by God to an unknown destination is it requires a new perspective. A new perspective. means we got to get rid of what we think we need to see and put on our God glasses, right? We need to be able to see what God sees. And he says, Abraham looked up And there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. See, our focus needs to be on what God's seeing and not what we're seeing. And if we're going to go to where God's going, we got to start looking for what God sees. We're not always going to see it. We're not. I promise you we're not. But he says we need to start looking for it. What is God seeing that we can't? It's got to be a change of perspective for us, though. It means we got to put down all the other stuff, right? we got to put down those idols so we can start looking. It's God, what do you want from me? Two weeks ago, I, I made one of the tougher journeys in my life. It's a trip where I loaded up my daughter and took her to college. It's actually, to be honest, as I was praying about this message four weeks ago, it's the whole reason this message came to my mind about the trips I don't want to take in life, right? I've had this kid with me for so long, and we're going to drive her four hours away and drop her off. Now, don't get me wrong, there are days that I have been waiting for this day for ages 13 to 17, right? You're gone. No, but deep down, that was a tough trip. We loaded her up. Driving down, I'm seeing her in my rearview mirror. I keep looking. Man, my kid's going. Sitting there going, we get there, we load up a room and take all of her stuff. Go around to Bethel is where she went and sat around a pond and we prayed over my daughter. I left her there. And I came home to an empty room. Man, tough trip. And it starts going through my mind of, Man, she's not ready, right? What if I didn't prepare her well? God, what if she needs me and I can't get there in time, right? Like all these things, this trip I did not want to take and yet I have to take. It's calling us to do. It reminded me of the first day of kindergarten with her too, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about? When you take your kid to kindergarten, you're like, uh-uh. My kid's under my wing. You're going, no. I'm that dad who sat outside for three hours waiting because she's going to call me. I'm going to go get her. We're going to do a break-in, right? And I remember in kindergarten when God looked at me and 
we're talking. So I'm like, I don't, I'm not ready for this. And he says, Dan, that little girl, she was mine before she was ever yours. You gotta trust me. I got this. So as I drove away from college, leave my little girl. Man, that trip was like Mount Moriah to me. He says, she was mine before she was ever yours. I got this. I don't know what your Mount Moriah is. It could be more dire than that. It could be less. We all got one. That God's calling you to take this trip. He's trying to tell you, I got this. And for some of you, I wrote down a list on maybe some of you where you're struggling because there's a lot going on in our life. And maybe God's calling you to talk to someone you don't want to, and that's your Mount Moriah. Maybe God's calling you to forgive someone you don't want to. Maybe it's more real than that even, and God's having you walk through hospice of a loved one because their life's about to be done. Maybe you are on that journey yourself. You have this illness that is not going away. Maybe instead of taking your kid to college, it's take your parent to a nursing home. Man, Mount Moriah, huh? Maybe you've had to go to a funeral lately to say goodbye. And you didn't want to do that. Maybe God's calling you out of your comfort zone to leave a place that you're used to, to go to a new place that you're unsure of, a job, I don't know, just a new house. I, I don't know what your Mount Moriah is. But what I know is God's looking at you and saying, I got this. And here's how I know it. Abraham, in verse 14, do you see how this ends? He says, so Abraham called, called that place. He called Mount Moriah. He called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And maybe for some of you today, the simple message you need to hear is this. On that mountain that God is, has you on, that you have no idea why you're there, He wants you to know He will meet you there, and He will provide. What's your Mount Moriah today that you need to meet God at and trust and follow and see the things he wants you to see on that mountain? That's my encouragement. Not a despair, not a, oh man, an encouragement. Because right there in that moment, God will meet you. That's our hope. That's our prayer. So Father, this morning, we're all on a trip. This trip called life, and a lot of us are in different places, but we know that you have called us, sometimes to an unknown destination, but always led by you. May we follow you, Lord, to that mountain, to that place, so that we can meet you there. And most of all, so we can watch you be God 
so we can watch you provide. We love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, this morning, if you need prayer, if you'd like to come down, we have people that would pray with you wherever you're at. We'd love to see you up here. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week. You're dismissed.